What's up, guys? Welcome back to Check the Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Devin. Find this on SureDog.com and all the other SureDog platforms, whether you're listening to it via audio or video on YouTube. Pretty big weekend of fights we're coming off of. Um, Crawford Spence, Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje, BMF. That was crazy. Um, Co-main event, not the best. Um, But, man, Derek Lewis is back. Um, Crazy week of fights. Earlier in the week, last week, we had an Iowa anyway. Finishing Stephen Fulton, moving up in weight class again. So this week is just crazy, crazy. The whole month of July was a crazy good month um, for combat sports, even though we had a Holly Holm main event. It ended fun. Um, Starting off, we're not going to talk about the BMF title fight. We're going to talk about Bud Crawford, TKO stoppage over Errol Spence um, in the ninth round. Great fight. Incredible performance by Bud Crawford. The dude's an animal. Um, he he made Errol Spence look like a mandatory title challenger. This fight was incredible. He walked out with Eminem, so he broke the Eminem curse. Um, and he just did everything right. The first round, everybody, I, I looked at the judges' scorecards prior to this, and I believe one judge scored the third round for uh, Errol Spence as well. But everyone unanimously scored the first round for Spence. Um, Spence came out, put a lot of volume on Bud, and just something that he did well in this fight was his defensive shell was so good. Um, Errol Spence punched the body a lot in this fight. But Bud was able to block a lot of punches, just kind of tucking his shoulders down. Um, his he really just eliminated Errol Spence's jab like right away. Um, you know he would he would block and then fire um, his power. He doesn't really ever throw a power jab like that, but his power jab, Crawford's power jab, um, looked great. In the second round, after Crawford had kind of you know sat back and made his reads, he was able to fire a, a, a two, so across down the pipe, right behind um, kind of a a naked body jab that Spence threw. Crawford fired right behind it, hit him with a shot behind the ear, and then followed up with a power jab right after that dropped him. That was the first time Errol Spence has ever been dropped in his career. Um, this performance was just masterful. Um, Crawford most mo- mostly out of mostly out of Southpaw um this whole entire fight even though he's typically an orthodox dude um just so defensively sound his ability to rem- just I wouldn't he didn't remove Spence's jab from the game because Spence was using the jab but there was just no effect um every time he his block and his block and counter was just so fast, so on point. Um, even in the tie-ups going into this fight, um, Errol Spence was the bigger guy. Crawford moving up um, and had fought in lower weight classes. A lot of people were thinking that Crawford was going to, you know, maybe struggle in the clinches and the tie-ups and those types of exchanges where they get in and, and dirty boxing. There were moments where Spence had, you know, success kind of punching the body. But if you looked at, if you put these two dudes next to each other after this fight, I mean, Bud Crawford didn't look like he was in a fight and Errol Spence looked like he was in a fight and lost. Um, 
kind of got beat up. Um, and it's worrisome after his, you know, car accident issues. There, I've read some doctor's reports and heard some, you know, short videos on social media run moving around about him, you know, having brain damage, whatever, whatever. But that should not take away from what Crawford did here. He was a small favorite going into this fight and a very small favorite on boxing standards. I think he was like minus 145 or some shit. Um, for Crawford, he he really went for it, but he just did not have the ability to, number one, keep up, keep up with Crawford. Crawford landed 58% of his power punches, and that's a lot. Like landing 40% of your power punches is a lot. Um, he just did everything, everything so well, um, so masterful. His pullback left hand was beautiful. Um, the finishing seat, he dropped them two times, um, dropped them two times in the seventh round, where one moment he kind of, you know, did a a pullback hook and, and dropped them with that. And that kind of almost sent him um, out of the ring. And before that, the first time he dropped them was with like a beautiful counter uppercut his vision his ability to make reads his his high guard he blocked so many punches spence was really trying to go to the body in those situations but he's able to drop the guard and tuck his elbow and block a lot of a lot of those body punches his vision my gosh and i think the best shot of the fight for spence was in the fifth round where he threw a big overhand left and kind of caught crawford in the back and you know maybe this part of his head behind the ear kind of, and Crawford just ate that shit. Like it didn't even phase him, didn't bother him. Um, just what a masterful performance by Crawford. Um, he, he was taunting Jamel Charlo. I know he's got a fight with Canelo supposedly coming up, but I'm not really too sure what Crawford's going to do next. Um, there's been talks of him, um, you know, maybe not being the, the best media guy. I think he did fine all week. Um, even prior to the fight, he was like, Hey guys, you know, let's stop talking the way we're talking. Everybody can be, you know, everybody can be crazy, whatever, whatever. We're going to fight. We're here to make money. After the fight, he went up to Spence and was like, Hey man, you did a great job. You know, I'm here because of you as well. And these guys are both undefeated going into this fight. Um, and Crawford just looked above, way above way above Errol Spence. Um, I saw a funny post on social media today of uh, Stephen A. Smith saying that Errol Spence should retire after this loss and after a beating like this, and he had never seen a beating so bad. And um, It's probably because you don't watch combat sports, Stephen A. Smith, because, yeah, he lost, but these were two of the best guys in the world. Like, Bud Crawford is probably going to be at the top of everyone's number one pound-for-pound list. Number two is probably Niowa anyway. But he lost to the better fighter. That doesn't mean he's done. Errol Spence can, can you know, from what I saw, I know there's a rematch clause where I think the loser, um, I think the loser has the ability to incite the rematch clause, but the winner gets to pick the weight. Maybe they go up to 54. But I, I don't... This is one of those fights where there's just no need for a rematch. It, it wasn't really even close. Um, again, one of the judges scored the third round for Spence, but like you go, you go back and watch this fight. Like, like <laughs> Errol Spence was getting his head snapped back all the time. The finishing, the finishing sequence, 
in this fight, ninth round, it was kind of a mercy stoppage too. Um, and no one seemed to complain about it. Spence didn't even complain about it. Um, but they were just exchanging in the pocket and then Bud Crawford catches him with this really tight hook. I mean, he'd heard him with multiple shots before that, but he catches him with this really tight hook. Um, they're really close in the pocket, catches him with this hook and just sends him kind of reeling back and um, the ref stops in. You know, for an, a night where we have um, a night where there was always weird, just always weird stuff going on in the, in the main event in the UFC and in boxing. I think both of the refs did a good job. Um, Herb Dean came sliding into home base to save Dustin Poirier. We'll go back. We'll go to that. But officiating was fine by me. Um, I got no qualms with it. Interesting though. Um, I, I was kind of all in on Bud Crawford and I know hindsight's 2020 and I didn't even pick the fight for you guys to listen to. So I could say whatever I want to say. Um, but like leaning him is like, Hey, I thought he could win, but I could see, you know, Spence definitely giving him some problems. No, this is a, a one-sided shellacking in my opinion. Like it's pretty bad. Um, like, I don't, I don't even remember like watching it back. Like there's not even tons of striking exchanges that Spence won at all. Like he lost every single time they would, every every time they would exchange shots, he like lost every time. Um, shout out to Bud Crawford. Um, hopefully he can get the more media attention. He said he's been blackballed um, by the matchmakers. Hopefully they can give him the proper matches. Um, I'm excited to see what's next, what's next for him. Um, it's not like the UFC where the champions fight them you know, the second best guy or the number one contender. Unfortunately, boxing is super political and not the best when it comes to that. So hopefully we get to see what we want, but um, we got a fight that typically would have been really hard to make with Spence and Crawford. So, you know, kudos to boxing for making that fight happen. Um, It's pretty awesome. Moving on to the other title fight on Saturday night. This one is a, a, a title, um, the BMF title fight. We had Dustin Poirier lose via head kick knockout to Justin Gaethje. Um, saw a stat today that someone said, I don't know this to be true or not, fact check this, but Dustin Poirier has never been dropped with a head kick in a fight, and he's never been dropped with a head kick in training. That's what I read. Dude trains at ATT. Don't see why he's never been head kicked before, but hey. Um, really close first round. Um, I picking the fight, I expected Dustin to just be able to land the better shots in, in prolonged pocket exchanges. I really thought he was going to um, be able to pressure forward or counter. Justin Gaethje did change his game plan. And now I can admit that I was wrong and say that I do think he's actually changed and improved. I did say prior to this, I believe that he was better as a battering ram. Um, where he would just go, go, go and crush people, use his durability and crush them. Um, and I just felt like it was a ceiling for him. And he set up a beautiful head kick, but I don't know how replicable that is as well. Say those dudes fight 10 times. I think that nine out of those 10 times, it looks like the first round where they both have success and maybe one lands the better shots. Um, Dustin Poirier's, Dustin Poirier just did what he always did. He checked some leg kicks. He was firing back with the leg kicks. But I, I really like what Justin Gaethje did, even though I don't 
I actually scored the first round for Poirier. I thought it was I thought it was um, very very close, but um, Poirier hurt his eye, and every shot that Justin Gaethje, um, you know, got hit with seemed to bother him a little bit more. And I think that's where we look for for damage. Um, but Gaethje's game plan was to stay on the outside, let Dustin Poirier come to him, try to counter punch him, which he had some success doing, but do not get in prolonged pocket exchanges. You didn't see you didn't see Justin Gaethje throw anything more than you know one two and, and three punch combinations at most. Maybe throw a one two and land with a leg kick and then get out of there. Um, so that was smart. Stick and move. Use your footwork. Plant your feet. Land your shots and just get the f out of there before someone like Dustin Poirier has the ability to counter you. Dustin Poirier did land some good counter shots. Um, Dustin Poirier's guard is really good. He landed three knee slash kicks up the middle on Gaethje when Gaethje would kind of just lean his head in, in a weird way. He kept leaning right into Poirier's knee. Um, and then Poirier landed was straight left down, down, straight down the middle that busted up Gaethje's eye. And it's funny because in the post-fight presser, like Gaethje looks more lumped up, um, uh, but beautifully set up head kick. Gaethje threw that kick and you don't see Gaethje throw many head kicks, which is just a new wrinkle to his game. Um, Gaethje was landing the landed one head kick. It was blocked by Poirier because Poirier, Poirier is just usually typically very defensively responsible. Um, but just in the second round, he threw the right hand and um, hid the hid the kick right behind it, and it just kind of wrapped around Poirier. Even though Poirier's guard was up a little bit, Justin Gaethje is just such an explosive athlete, such a powerful dude. Dropped them, had him on his you know back like a starfish, and. Poor Dustin Poirier because everyone likes Dustin Poirier. My fiance is a, like her favorite fighter. I think is Dustin Poirier. She literally cried. Um, and yeah, it's tough to see, but at the same time, like you know, if you're a Dustin Poirier fan, like I don't know how many people are Dustin Poirier fans and not Justin Gaethje fans. So, you know, yeah. And um, Dustin said in the post fight, "Hey." You know, this isn't a funeral. I've already won in life, if you know where I've come from, which that's just Dustin Poirier. The dude's super respectful. Um, Justin Gaethje said, I would I would do a third fight with him. You know, he awarded me with the rematch, so I would, you know, do the same for him. I wouldn't hold that from him. Both of these guys are, are I mean, Conor McGregor, take a note, dude. Like, I wish every MMA fighter was like Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier. Dudes that are willing to put it all on the line. Dudes that will go out on their shield. Dudes that don't make excuses. And dudes that are just super respectable. Like, they're such respectable guys. They had so much respect before the fight. So much respect after the fight. Um, you know, we did maybe get robbed a little bit of a of a five-round banger. And, I mean, shit, if we would have got five more rounds of the first round, that would have been awesome because it was a, a, just a kind of a technical brawl in a way, you could say. Um but great on Justin Gaethje. He made the read through the kick, knocked him out. Um, I thought it was a little bit funny that they had Usman in the octagon celebrating with Gaethje because they're good friends and training partners. And Dana White or Dana White, um, they're interviewing, they're interviewing Joe Rogan's interviewing Gaethje, and um, he's like, "This is the same head kick that Leon Edwards kicked Usman with last." Year. And Usman's literally like in the octagon, pacing around behind all this. So that's got to be a funny kind of shitty moment for Usman. Um, but all in all, like the fight was good. The whole card was good. 
like there was a couple stinkers on there. Jan Blahovich, Alex Pajera, that one was, eh, you know, maybe those dudes shouldn't fight at elevation again. Um, CJ Vargaro's fight was not the best, but other than that, there was like nine finishes out of eleven fights. Um, yeah, you know, we 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 only got eleven fights coming up on this card here again, but sometimes too much of a good thing is bad. You know, it's like if you eat too many cookies, you get a belly ache. Um, as for Justin Gaethje moving forward, it's hard to say for him. Before this fight, I'm like, he has no chance. But say Islam Mahashev does beat Oliveira. I think the UFC botched. I think the UFC botched that matchmaking because Islam Mahashev didn't seem too eager for that fight. And the general consensus is Charles Oliveira got beat pretty handily. There are tons of Charles Oliveira fans. I'm one of them, too. When Charles Oliveira fights, I watch. But... I mean, are we more excited to see Justin Gaethje that just head kicked Poirier's head, you know, into the mountains behind Salt Lake City? Or are we more excited to watch Islam Mahachev fight a dude that he already beat? Um, yeah, I think the UFC probably just thought, hey, um, these guys are going to kill each other and there's no way they could fight again. And Justin Gaethje would probably be able to fight in Abu Dhabi. Maybe he'll go in and weigh, as a, weigh in as a backup fighter. That'd be cool if he did that. The UFC probably throw him some coin. Maybe they won't. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see, I'd like to see him screw it. I think he should tra- challenge for the title. Who, if, if only if Islam beats Oliveira, because if Oliveira beats Islam, then they're one apiece, And then we're stuck on a rematch thing. And who knows what, Justin Gaethje is going to get stuck with if that happens. Um, but I, I do hope that I do hope he kind of gets that one more shot because head kicking Dustin Poirier, in my opinion, you earn a title shot off that. Um, and, and we typically don't talk about matchmaking for the losers on this show, but I will because it is Dustin Poirier. Um, what's next for Poirier? He, he's basically, he called himself a fighting junkie and he said that he, he could be, you know, he's always thought about he's thought about retiring for a while, but he could be tempted back with something interesting. A lot of people are saying Armin Sarukian, those dudes are training partners, and like there's pictures of them like training together. Um maybe I'm confusing him with Gamrot. Probably confusing him with Gamrot. Um either way, Dustin Poirier doesn't take a fight with Armin Sarukian. I don't think Dustin Poirier takes a fight with any of those dudes. Maybe a rematch with Connor, like a rematch with Chandler. Um. Yeah, Dustin Poirier's got options, and the dude's an OG. He's he's gonna be around forever. Um, big shout out to him for even just he didn't stay for the interview, but he went right to the media, did all of his media obligations after getting head kicked. Didn't go to the hospital right away. Um, don't like that, but yeah, shout out to that guy. Love that guy. Love Justin Gaethje. Shout out to both of them. And finally, moving on to the last fight that I'm gonna break down with you guys. Derek Lewis knocks out Rogerio de Lima via jumping switch knee. Like Jorge Masvidal was in the crowd as the original BMF champion, the dude that has the UFC record for the fastest jump knee knockout where he need Ben Askren. Ben Askren still sleeping from that. Um, jumping switch knee. Marcos Rogerio de Lima goes down. It's got to be sidebar. Derek Lewis had abs, and he didn't get them from the same doctor that De La Hoya got his abs from. 
Um, Derek Lewis is running at you full speed, jumping switch knee. That's got to be the scariest thing in the world. Um, goes down. I thought the fight was over. I thought he was going to break Masvidal's record. Goes down. Uh, Delima is a BJJ guy. Um, and Black Beast was just landing so much ground and pound. Even got into full mount. Um, was able, kind of, Delima was able to, you know, give his back, but still turtled up, still turtled up behind the shell. And freaking Black Beast is just raining ground and pound. I think it was like a 32-second stoppage. The dude was on a, a terrible losing streak comes back and that was the last fight of that was the last fight on his last fight on his contract like for him to be for him to be able to pull that pull that off and we're not even talking about the whole entire after cage thing um but you know he was on a three fight losing streak and all of them were all of them were finishes like he he, he got knocked out by Cyril gone down in Texas in his hometown for a championship knocked out Dacus and then got TKO vicious elbow from Tai Tuivasa got knocked out by Sergey Pavlovich and then got arm triangled by Sergey Spivak like last fight on his contract comes out gets that crazy crazy TKO finish um suredog.com calls it a TKO by punches but that damn switch knee is what started the demise um he takes his shorts off starts swinging them around his head doing the suck it Throws his gloves into the crowd, cuts a badass promo, and Derek Lewis is back. The Black Beast is back. Um, people are saying he should go rematch Francis um, in PFL because it's a, a guaranteed $2 million purse. Um, do you guys really think Francis Ngannou is fighting in MMA after getting knocked out by Tyson Fury? Probably not because he's going to get a fat payday. Don't think Tyson Fury ever fight. I mean, sorry, I don't think Francis Ngannou ever fights in MMA. Why would he take an MMA fight after fighting? Like the goal is is he's met, he's met his goal. The goal is to fight Tyson Fury. You don't fight after that. You, you disappear. Um, but maybe people are saying he should go to PFL. I think the UFC is going to re-sign this dude. He said he wants to come back to the UFC. UFC loves him. Derek Lewis, everybody loves Derek Lewis. The crowd freaked out for him. He had more pop. I mean, he had more pop than almost anyone there. Tony Ferguson had a lot of pop too. And um, yeah, it was just, you know, um, super happy for Derek Lewis because he he's gen he's genuinely a good guy. He said he had weight cutting issues going into this fight, passed out on the scale. And this is the best shape I've ever seen him coming into the UFC. Um and he's always been the athletic dude to be able to jump and throw jumping high kicks and a bunch of stuff in the beginning of fights. He's known to do it. And you should look up his quote because I won't be able to say it as elegantly as him. But he, Joe Rogan asked him, you know, is that something you've been trying practicing or whatever? And he said he's been doing it in his camp for so long and he's going to give up on it if it didn't work. Um, he is another true BMF, Derek Lewis. Um, he'll be around. I think the UFC will, will sign him a, a nice contract and keep him around I, I like the guy we all like the guy um, it, it's it's Derek Lewis and what a way for him to fight and finish just everything he he, he gets an A++ he did everything perfectly from the fight to the post fight interview the promo he cut he's still a bad man 
And just wrapping up UFC 291 in, in total, tons of great fights on there. Um, nine finishes. The Euros Medic Matthew Semmelsberger fight was awesome. You guys should just go back and watch this. Roman Kopilov looked great. Jake Matthews looked good. Bonfim got a damn near insta sub. Um, Bobby Green looked pretty good against um, Tony Ferguson. Kevin Holland looked great against Kiesa. I was dead wrong with that. Kiesa did not show up. Um, just all around a great fight card. Um, if you haven't seen them all from from front to beginning, just go go watch them. You can skip the CJ Vergara fight, but um, everything else was great. UFC 291 was awesome. Um, moving on to the second segment of the show, what's hot? I do want to talk about some more UFC 291 stuff. Um, mainly the Wonder Boy Michelle Pajara weight miss debacle. And there was an interview with Ariel Hawani today where he stated that he still hasn't been paid for making weight. Didn't get his show money. He said Dana White's on vacation. His management's talking to them, and he's trying to figure out what's going on. Um, We're all trying to figure out what's going on, apparently, because this is like the first I've heard of um, fighters that make the weight that don't get the money. Um, You know, it could be. It could be they're trying to rebook him ASAP. He did his part. He made his weight. Michelle Pereira came in three pounds overweight. He was ranked number 13th in, in the division. Wonder Boy was ranked number seven. Um, this is a big opportunity for Michelle Pereira to, you know, just fly up into the rankings. He's 29 years old. This is his biggest opportunity. Wonder Boy's 40. Like, this isn't he was taking all the risks here and I commend him for doing what he did. You know, he posted about it. You can go look it up, find a sweeter, his, his Instagram page or whatever. You know, and I, I agree with everything he posted besides the fact of him being a title challenger again, but you know, you have to have that mentality as a fighter. Um, we all know that Steven Thompson's probably not going to fight for a title, but man, yeah, I don't know. You know, MMA is crazy, but I respect and commend what he did. He took a stand against fighters. He said he's been in the situation before. Look at the Darren Till issue where he went overseas, fought Darren Till, Darren Till missed weight, and he kind of got robbed. Um, and he didn't want to do that again. He was This kid had all the advantages. And, you know, I was thinking, well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he'd take 30% of his purse. But, like, what does 30% of Michelle's purse look like? Like, is it worth the risk? Stephen Thompson probably doesn't even need to fight. The dude runs a, a a karate academy. He's got a lot going for him. The dude's got money. Like he, I don't know if he, you know, does he even really need to be like really, really need to be taking these fights? Does he need to be taking these risks? Probably not. Like, and this is Michelle Pajara botched this. He didn't even go back and try to cut more weight. Tried once and they stopped him. I don't know if it was the I don't know if it was the Utah Athletic Commission that you know pulled the plug on that. But like, either way, it's. I'll say it again. I just commend the stance that Wonder Boy's taken. Um, and this goes out to all the fighters. Like, don't sign contracts if you, you know, don't sign the check your ass can't can't cash. Like you show up, you got a big opportunity. You need you need to make weight. Um, and Wonder Boy has said since that, you know, if you sign to fight me, you need to make weight. And that's just standard. Like every he suffered, he's freaking 40. Um, and Michelle Pereira has way more pro fights than Wonder Boy, as crazy as that sounds. 
and for him being only 29, um, not more probably fights in general, but pro MMA bouts. Like Michelle Pereira's been making weight. He's been cutting weight. Um, he has fought all over the globe and had tons of weird, weird weight class fights. But still, the, the you know, we thought the dude was a professional. Coming in three pounds over the one pound allowance is not professional in your biggest opportunity of your career. Um, so shame on him. He's going to have to probably now fight um, someone outside of the rankings or, you know, a, a, another fringe dude. He might be he might be the one fighting Jack De La Maddalena. People are saying Wonderboy should. I don't, you know, Wonderboy should fight the winner of Jeff Neal and Ian Gary, in my opinion. Not take another risk because he took a risk and got burnt. Hopefully the UFC is not going to withhold his money and, and like punish him. Because these negotiations, he the weight miss happened Friday morning, and we didn't find out. Typically, they they tell you right right away, um, you know, fights off or fight is still going on. So and so is forfeiting twenty or thirty, depending on the weight miss in the athletic commission. You know, x amount of their purse, whatever, whatever. Fights going on. Um, like CJ Vargaro's opponent missed weight as well, and he you know took whatever percentage of the fight purse he received, and, and the fight happened, and he won. Um, that doesn't always happen. And I I just understand what Steven Wonderboy did. Um, and being seventh in the world, like there's he's two or three fights away from a title fight. So maybe I'm wrong about the title aspiration thing. Could be dead wrong. Um, but good on him. Um, happy, happy he took a stand. Hopefully he gets his cash flow. Um, don't see why the UFC wouldn't do it because the guy's a company, man. He's he's done everything right. Never you know what the nicest mother effort we've had the bmf we got the nmf like he's a great dude don't scroll him over ufc all right guys moving on to the next segment of the show called in with the new we're going to take a look into the future at ufc nashville um three fights i'm going to break down for you guys we're going to start down on the prelims though with the flyweight division, because I'll always show flyweights love. We got Jake Hadley versus Cody Durden. Hadley's a small favorite, minus 170, while you got Durden coming back at plus 145. Um, this is a cool fight. There's some heat behind these two dudes. They've been talking some shit online. I appreciate that because it makes me interested and makes me talk about it to you guys. Um, and both of these guys are good fighters. Uh, Durden is a Kind of unassuming, pretty big flyweight. Um, good boxing, good wrestling, um, kind of low-key power. You know, he's he's hurt multiple people, multiple people in fights. Um, he's coming off a good win over Charles Johnson. That's a good win. Hurt uh, Carlos Mota, knocked out J.P. Baez. J.P. Baez has kind of a sus chin. Either way, um, brawl with Orichi Lang. Um, he did have that that guillotine in round one to Muhammad Makayev, and he did get, you know, flying triangle choked by freaking Jimmy Flick back in 2020. Even his draw with Chris Gutierrez, like able to able to out wrestle, take his back there in that fight. Um, Jake Hadley is, is a guy that is definitely um, I would say maybe has the higher ceiling. Um but definitely also like his loss to Alan Nascimento. That's something that kind of, you know, stinks from a little bit, but Alan Nascimento has come to show him that he, he is good. Um, after that, he, you know, triangled Carlos Candelario. 
and then knocked out Malcolm Gordon. Malcolm Gordon is another one of those dudes that has kind of a suspect type chin. Um, him, Jake Hadley is is definitely a willing guard player off of his back, and that's kind of what he did against Alan Nascimento in their whole fight. He seemed very willing to be a guard player. Um, he is a BJJ guy. He does have good power. He does like to strike. He will move forward. He is a Jake Hadley is a very confident fighter, but so is Cody Durden. Um, I this fight should probably just be a pick 'em fight. Um, Durden is definitely the more experienced guy in the UFC. However, Jake Hadley is not, you know, a spring chicken if it comes to UFC because both of these guys got, you know, at least three fights here. Um, looking at Cody Durden and those crazy submit, like he lost to Muhammad Makayev, round one guillotine, and who knows what that fight would have looked like if it would have gone on. Um, and then the Jimmy Flick flying triangle, like that just, like, that doesn't happen again. I said it about Poirier and Gaethje, but like those dudes fight 10 times, but that doesn't happen again. <laughs> like That's just a, a one in a million thing. Um, way I see this fight going is I think Durden is the going to be the bigger guy. Um, both of them will be willing to box. Durden's going to have the longer reach. And I think Hadley may have some success on the feet, but I think Durden is just going to maybe out chain wrestle him. Durden's a pretty big dude for flyweight. He's pretty strong. He's a good grappler. Doesn't really gas. And Jake Hadley is just like a willing BJJ player off of his back. Um, and he, him being a BJJ player, he could catch Durden in, in one of those crazy flash subs, but as Durden as the underdog at plus 145, like I kind of like that for him. I think that's a good line. I could see him, you know, getting continuous takedowns um, and just making Jake Hadley work, even if he's if he's in a situation where he's playing offense the whole time and Durden is playing. Sorry, if Jake Hadley's in a situation where he's playing defense the whole time and Durden is playing offense the whole time and they're just grappling, as long as Durden doesn't get caught in like a, you know, some sort of defensive type submission where Hadley, you know, catches him with a triangle off of his back after, you know, being ground and pounded for two and a half minutes. I just don't, I can just see Durden out wrestling him. I think that's going to be his game plan here. Just go in and put the screws to him and put pressure on him. Um, again, this fight, they got a lot of heat. These are flyweights too. The scrambles are going to be great. The striking exchanges are going to be great. Both guys have good power. Jake Hadley's definitely probably a little bit more crisp and a little more athletic, fast twitch. Um, but again, I think Durden is just going to be all over him and kind of be that lead blanket. All right, moving on to the next fight. We've got a women's fight, WMMA. I'm here to talk about it because it matters. Um, Jessica Andrade facing Tatiana Suarez. Um, this is another good fight. And we got Suarez that was on a very, very, very long um a very, very long, just inactive spree, a lot of neck injuries. She's girls had cancer. She's had, she's faced so many adversities physically um, throughout her career. High level, high level check. This fight is at straw weight. I know Tatiana Suarez made her comeback fight um, up at women's 125, up at flyweight against Montana De La Rosa. Um, and she looked okay. Don't think she looked great there. To be honest with you, um, 
but she looked, you know, she looked fine. And Andrade is, is poor Andrade has been having a tough time lately and she's moving all over, moving weight classes. Um, got knocked out by Yan Zhaonan like bad in her last fight. Prior to that, she took a short notice fight against Aaron Blanchfield up at 125 and just got completely out wrestled and out grappled by Blanchfield. Also got out jabbed um, and outstruck by Blanchfield just because Andrade walks on walks into everything on a straight line and Blanchfield just ate her up with straight punches. But before that, like she, you know, she beat the shit out of Lauren Murphy, beat the brakes off of Lauren Murphy. The Amanda Lemos fight with that standing arm trying arm triangle choke was really cool. Um, but I think that people are a little bit misled the way that that fight happened. You guys should go watch that fight back. Lemos had a lot more success on the feet than anyone seems to remember. You know, she's, she's Andrade has fought everybody. You could go down her whole record. The, the, the fights with Rose, the fights with Whaley, um, the, the loss to Shevchenko, the, the body punch KO of Chukagian was great. The way she ruined Carolina Kowalkiewicz, the, the Rose slam. She's gotten, she's, She's fought in everybody. She's fought in all three. Well, I guess you. I guess I'll say all three because I don't think women's featherweight is around anymore. But she's fought in all three women's weight classes: one fifteen, one twenty-five, one thirty-five. Had wins, vicious finishes at all of them. She's, you know, Andrade's. Andrade, you know, when she's firing on all cylinders, she's a mother effer. Um, her game is just susceptible to Tatiana Suarez's game. Andrade can be out wrestled. She's very powerful. But she's not very technically sound, kind of really anywhere. She's okay in the clinch. Um, I guess she's got okay submissions, but she definitely is more of a brute force fighter. And Tatiana Suarez is a big girl, very high level wrestling. Um, if she shows up the way she showed up against Montana De La Rosa, I could see moments where Andrade may have some success. But Anyone that's been a good high-level wrestler that has wanted to out-wrestle, Andrade has been able to, you know, Valentina did it. Other people have done it. Blanchfield had moments in the grappling, and I'm just, I just see Tatiana Suarez um, being able to do the same thing. Um, I don't know if I said the odds or not, so I'm going to repeat them again. If I didn't, um, Andrade is a plus 275 underdog. Tatiana Suarez is coming in at minus 350. And... In a fight like this where Suarez didn't look awesome, even though she won against Montana De La Rosa, um, she hadn't fought for four years prior to that, and she gassed out in the third round against Nina Nunes, and Nina Ansaroff at the time, I believe. Um, she has wins over the... I'm surprised that she went back down to 115 because she's got... I mean, she finished Alexa Grosso. Yeah, it was back in 2018, but she rear naked choked her. Um, Tatiana Suarez is a good grappler, but she's also a good finisher. Like, surprised that she didn't finish Nina. Nina's good, but every you know, mostly everything up to that is is all finishes. She's she will definitely she will definitely TKO you with punches if she can, like she did to Esparza. She'll land ground and pound. She'll land elbows. She'll make you give her your back. She'll you know sink in rear naked chokes. She's got Bravo chokes. Like she's got all different types of submissions. She can arm bar. She, she's just good. She's undefeated for a reason. Um, kind of, I don't love the line, but I'm kind of heavy on Suarez. I do think she's got what it takes to win this fight.
Moving on to the final fight of the card that I'm breaking down for you guys. We got Corey, the Sandman Sanhagen, versus short notice replacement Rob Font. Um, Rob Font is a very credible credible short notice replacement. You know, this was supposed to be Umar Nurmagomedov versus Corey Sanhagen, which would, I mean, that's a, that's a, I think I'm allowed one F-bomb, but that's a fucking fight. Umar had to pull out, I believe it was a shoulder issue, um, which is not good for him because this was his opportunity to really jump up in the rankings. And I don't see many other guys being as crazy as Corey Sanhagen to take a bite against Umar. Um, either way, Sanhagen's a minus 310 favorite. Font comes back at plus 260. And um, shout out to Rob Font for taking this fight. You go look at Rob Font's record and the dude yeah he he like his last including this fight his last four fights are going to be the beating he took against jose aldo when jose aldo like that was like the last good jose aldo we ever saw the absolute drubbing from marlon Vera. mind you these fights were both of these fights went to decision and they could have been stopped like multiple times and then adrian yana is a super high level contender Great boxing, a, a guy that had been finishing everybody, um, hurting everybody, a guy that wanted to go out there and replicate what Aldo and Vera did. And he stopped Adrian Yanez, knocked him out um, in the first round and looked good and looked composed and crushed him with counter shots in the pocket and sent Adrian, Adrian Yanez flying. Um, Adrian Yanez does have a fight coming up against Jonathan Martinez, which should be interesting. Um Back to Rob Font. Um, Rob Font is a guy that he can take damage. He will keep coming. He looked like he was wearing a Halloween mask against Mar- against Marlon Vera. Brutalized, dropped by so many shots, um, and still coming back. He's got good boxing. You know, he's Boston strong. The dude's tough as shit. Um, he's got good power, a great jab. He's got one of the best jabs in MMA. He fights behind his jab so well. He has issues where he will get into these prolonged exchanges and he can be hit with stuff. He can be hit with stuff by guys that can do things that are, you know, a little bit outside of the norm, like hook kicks and stuff that Vera was hitting him with. But Vera is just Cheeto is just a powerhouse dude. Um, If you look at the stats on that fight, Rob fought, will throw a lot of volume. He outlanded, Cheeto like two to one in that fight volume wise, but every time he got touched, he got hurt because Cheeto's a freaking animal. Um, he's been around forever too. He he can wrestle if he if he needs to. Um, he can bite down and go to war if he needs to. Um, Rob Font's best attribute is his is his boxing in the pocket. Moving on to Corey Sanhagen, um, this is like, man, I hate to say it, but like this is like the worst fight in the division for Rob Font. Um, only because Corey Sandhagen can kind of just do everything that Font does, but better. Only thing that Font probably has on him is just the power edge, I would say, and maybe the reach edge. Um, Font is a guy that's kind of a long, wiry with big hands, just a big, like a, a clubbing, like, you know, you know, those dudes that got long arms, big hands, and they just hit hard. That's kind of what Font's body type is like. But Sandhagen is just, He's technical, but he's so gifted at the same time. His ability to manage distance, his jab, his kicks. He's even been 
you know, adding takedowns and grappling into his game. Sandhagen is just so good. The split decision from Marlon Vera was, I mean, I love Cheeto. And whoever gave Cheeto that fight, shame on you if you're a judge. Um, that doctor stoppage against Song Yadong. Look how good Song Yadong's been looking. And he he lost the unanimous decision against Petrion. And then he lost that he lost the split decision to TJ. Um, I did score the Petrion fight for for Petrion, but Corey Sandhagen did not lose to Dillashaw. Prior to that, that flying knee he knocked out Frankie Edgar with like chef's kiss, beautiful timing. Um, the Marlon Marias was kind of sad. That spinning wheel kick, one of the many losses but he's he's been able to the dude armbarred mario bautista look where bautista's at in his career right now like both of these dudes have fought everybody you know john lineker rafael sunsau the loss to aljamain sterling that just shows you how good sterling really is but he's he's made his he's just made so many like forward progressions with his career with his style and he can just do everything. His again, his ability to just manage range, his straight punches, his shot selection, his vision is so is so well. His jab is just great. Everything he does is so good. I could see him. The thing with Sandhagen is he does every he can do all those like weird unorthodox things that Marlon Vera can do too. I don't think he's as um, as dexterous and as powerful of, of a kicker or a puncher as Vera, but he can land all those weird things on Font. Um, I do see Font having the ability to maybe jab with him and and make exchanges dirty, and you know maybe clip him up in the pocket if they can if he can make it look like the Adrian Yanas fight. But Yanas went out there and wanted to. I think Giannis went out there and wanted to lean on the damage that Font had taken in his two previous fights and maybe just, you know, um, and we love Adrian Giannis here, um, but I think maybe he um, just underestimated Font and he thought he could go out there and really just bite down and hurt him and get him out of there based off of his last two performances. Um, But that was a level up moment for for Font, for sure. I just see Sandhagen being the guy with the better footwork. He could employ a game plan kind of similar to Gaethje um, and Poirier, where he just stays on the outside. His jab, his range-finding tool, just pop him with a jab, pop him with a jab, maybe hit him with a hook or, or a cross, and then just get out there and circle again, and then bait Font to come in and, and maybe hit him with a jump knee. Corey Sandhagen will throw that jump knee. I think he can – maybe Font can get some takedowns on him, but – Sandhagen is a good scrambler. Um, it's just one of those everything you can do, I can do better type things when it comes to when it comes to Sandhagen. Um, I'm on Sandhagen here. I think he's gonna go out there and just jab him up and outpace him. And this fight will be fun because Font, if you don't get him out of there, he's gonna put his foot on the gas. He's gonna go throw shots. He's gonna put volume up. This is gonna be one of those high volume, high volume fights. I think it's gonna get bloody. I could see both dudes getting hurt um it's gonna go to decision if you're gonna gamble this fight um lay some coin on the over two and a half or lay some coin on the fight goes to decision either way this is a dope fight this whole this whole card is pretty good i I wish i there was more time allotted that i could kind of go into it further with you guys but 
the whole card is the whole card is good. It's only eleven fights too. Um, Sean Woodson is back. Ode Osborne is is fighting a newcomer. Jeremiah Jeremiah Wells is never in a bad fight. The dude's fighting Carlston Harris. Carlston Harris is I think like the only Ethiopian fighter on the card, um, and that that should be a banger. Honey Barcelos is back fighting another returning fighter, Kyler Phillips. A fight to look out for. This is a fight that I unfortunately can't break down for you guys, but I want you guys to know about. Billy Q versus Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson's a dude that will bull rush you and, and get you out of there in the first round. Billy Q is a dude that gets you out of there in the third round. What's going to happen when those styles collide? Who knows? Badass fights. I hope you guys tune in. I'm glad you tuned into the show. Thank you so much. My name is Devin. This is Check the Kick Podcast. Enjoy the fights. <laughs>